Hey, what's going on? Welcome to The Doug Show. My name is Doug Cunnington. And in this episode, I'm going to talk about why some people aren't successful online. This episode was the idea from Andy. And I actually featured his question in sort of the longer email a couple months ago. I think it's been a little while, at least a month or two. And I wanted to get feedback from you, the the listeners out there in the audience. And I did hear back from just two of you. So I will feature those emails. I was hoping to hear a little bit more, but uh, this will work pretty well. Corey and Kay, I'll read your emails at the end. And if you didn't catch that other episode, Andy essentially was referencing um, someone that I talked about where this person has been working on their niche website for, say, two years, three years, something like that, long enough to have a couple hundred posts, and they're making like $20 a month or so. And they've, you know, they've emailed me before. It sounds like they're doing stuff, but they like just haven't connected the dots. And Andy mentioned that that is his big fear. That's the one thing that's keeping him from taking action. And he thought, hey, I bet that's the same for a lot of other people too. And I riffed on that a little bit in the previous episode, which I should have looked up before, but I did not. (laughs) I did prepare for this though. So I'll talk about that in a second, actually, before we get to the meat of everything. But that's Andy's big fear. He's like, I just hear these um, success stories. I listen to a bunch of other podcasts and I think I could do it, but we only hear about the success stories and what if I fail? Basically, it's kind of a fear of failure. Andy mentioned a few uh, specific questions here. He says, this is what he wants to know. How many people are out there doing their best to follow every step, follow advice, and they're not making anything? What's their story? Why don't they make any money? What's stopping their success? And what distinguishes them from those that are successful? And basically, he also wanted to know, what's the majority? Do people, do most people make it or most people not make it? That is, of course, something I won't be able to answer because <laughs> there is survivorship bias. So we just don't hear from the people that aren't successful. They're, they just don't, they're, they're not out there. They've moved on. They've done something else. They're not even paying attention. But I have, uh, I would say anywhere from like seven to 10 reasons. I actually have them listed here, which I'll tell you about in a second. Um, several of them are my own idea and several of them are, they're kind of related. So you could almost lump them into one, but they're kind of different ways to say the same idea, or maybe I relate them to the same root cause. They're not completely redundant because I think there's some different pieces and some different sources of the the root issue. So I'm going to mention them all, even though some of them can be lumped in together. Some of them are a little harsh. Um, those are f- from me. <laughs> and I, I may have, I may have mentioned this in previous um, episodes or YouTube live streams or something like that. 
but I'm not, I don't think I'm a great motivator. I sometimes say I'm not even a good coach. I think I can coach reasonably well in certain areas, but I'm definitely not a cheerleader. I don't, I mean, I can't, I I don't care to motivate people that much. It's just not something that's a priority to me. I think if I was in a different situation, if it was important for whatever it is I was trying to do, I'm sure I could learn and develop the areas to help drive motivation or drive people to do things that they they want to do. But I'm fairly self-motivated, have been since I was a kid. And I, you know, I don't know why I won't I won't speculate or anything like that, but I'm pretty well self-motivated and have a lot of drive, even to the point where I need to like turn it down a little bit and just chill the fuck out. And I think, you know, I've, I've talked about that in the past, but you know, part of that is I don't have a huge amount of sympathy, right or wrong. I mean, I don't have a huge amount of sympathy if people are like, ah, I don't feel like doing that work, which a couple of the pieces of a couple of the reasons that I have listed, I mean, that's, that's what it comes down to. They're like, ah, can I do this in a faster way? Or, or is there something easier that we can do here? And that is, um, that's a, that's a different podcast, right? So I'm not a big cheerleader and some people do need the cheerleading and I don't judge those. And some people like to be cheerleaders and can motivate folks. And that's great too. I'm not judging anyone. It's just, you know, if, if people are like, Hey, why isn't this working out? I can tell the truth and I won't sugarcoat it too much. So there's a couple of them like that, not too many. And I hope that you hear it in the spirit that I intend it, which is not, you know, it's not negative. It's just, um, it's just, it's just uh, straight from my head, hardly filtered. So the um, one other piece that I want to throw in here is um, if you have been watching some of my YouTube videos recently, you know that I've been playing around with AI tools because everyone is so fucking interested in these AI tools. And I talk shit about them for about two years, two and a half years or so. And finally, after I made several public um, you know, proclamations that I was going to check out some of the tools, I've been playing with Jasper. I am right at about five days at the day that I'm recording this. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to, I'm going to try to use Jasper to do the outline and get some ideas for this episode. So I actually published a video on it. It'll probably be out there before this episode goes live. So you can go check it out. And Jasper actually did a pretty decent job. I typically would just try to brainstorm a couple ideas. I maybe would do a little research, but I try not to regurgitate just other things that are written online, even though you could put your own spin on it, right? There's only so many um, ways to say certain things, but you could put your own spin on it. And I have my own examples, which I think that's what makes um, someone's individual content um, their own. So I was impressed. Jasper gave me probably five or six bullet points here. Things that I could have 
probably come up with on my own, but it did a good a good job, gave me some ideas, and actually, I wasn't going to write a blog post, but I thought, ah, it, it's pretty much writing itself, pretty generic. It's kind of like a listicle, and I think Jasper and other tools are probably decent at writing a listicle. The piece that it would be really important are those examples. So if I was going to publish the blog post, I haven't decided if I'm actually going to do that. But we have a specific point. There's one to two sentences generically explaining that bullet point. And the interesting part would be the example that you could put in. So for me, I would put in examples about websites that have content, that have display ads and affiliate links. So I would place the context around that so that it fits with the topic area that we're covering. You could change it to, you could use all the same bullet points and then make examples around drop shipping or social media or something like that. So instead of why some people aren't successful with online business, it's why some people aren't successful with social media. You can use the same exact points. It would probably fit almost perfectly and then just give examples about social media instead. And that's where the individual context would fit in really well. So anyway, Jasper, you know, there's some stuff that's been doing pretty well. There's some stuff that it hasn't been doing great. And it's been interesting. I've given it a good shot. I'm trying to use the tool. I'm trying to use it for what it's good at and eliminate the spots that it's not working well at. And I I wanted to make sure that I had the time and patience to go through that. And that's why it took me like two years to get to this point. And it would have been really easy for me to use it in a way that showed that it wasn't effective just to sort of prove my point or something like that. But I really wanted to see like, is there value here? And in this one little case, for sure. And some of the others, you know, the jury's out. I have uh, several videos out there and we'll see how it, how it shakes out overall. So, all right, before we get to the topic, we'll finally get to it. Quick thank you to our sponsor, Ezoic. They have a tool called Leap. It helps your website load faster, get green and core web vitals. And I think if you are listening to this the day that it, or actually the month that it's published, it is content month. So the month of August is content month and there's uh, live webinars, there's other pieces of content, there's uh, product announcements and other stuff. So you can check all that out over on Ezoic. And, uh, you know, thanks Ezoic. We appreciate it. All right. Why are some people not successful online? So number one, they give up too easily. And I'm going to lump three of them together. So they give up too easily. Basically, people, uh, you know, they they get started and then they're like, ah, I thought I was going to earn some money in like a month. Uh, but it's taking much longer and I have other stuff to do. So they just quit. The extra little piece in here, which I think is really important, is they greatly, 
greatly, greatly underestimate the effort and time that it takes to be successful. I potentially am a a source of that issue. I publish these success stories. The headlines that do the best, the titles that do the best are earned X amount of money and X amount of time. And there's some other thing that makes it sound easy. So the the ones that do the very best, I was looking back at some stats over on YouTube and it was a video with, um, I think LJ, I always get the initials mixed up, but I think LJ, she made, I think $675 on a fairly new website, five months old. So with headlines like that, it reinforces the idea that it can be quick. And when I started in 2013, years ago, you can like start a website and earn thousands of dollars per month in two months. It was common. Like it it was something that I did a couple times and I knew several other people that did it too. Two to three months. Sometimes it took a little bit longer. Of course, things were much more volatile, but um, I, I earned like, I can't, uh, I can't remember. It was like 6,000 months or 6,000 months, $6,000 in six months or so. It was absolutely bananas. That was a long time ago. And basically all these stories and exception cases reinforce the idea that it is not too hard and you could do this pretty quick. And it makes people underestimate how much time they're going to have to put into it. And the third sort of related idea is they're not patient. So I don't have to explain that too much. Just they want their their content to rank or if they're trying to hire people to do the writing, like they want the writers to do a perfect job without much training, right? So they're just impatient in different areas. So quick summary of the, the first three, which are all kind of related People give up too easily. They're not patient and they underestimate the effort and time that it takes to be successful. That last one, I think, is one of the most important ones. And when I think about, you know, not just, you know, websites, when I think about anything that you're working on, people just underestimate how long it takes. Even something completely mundane, like driving to the grocery store. There's probably some people that you know that are pretty consistently late. It may be a few minutes here and there, but they're almost always late to stuff. And then other people are not. We show up on time. I try to be punctual. So I'll throw myself into that that group. But there have been times, and actually not that long ago, and I'll give an example of a thing uh, that I'm not punctual at, but Basically, if it takes 10 minutes to get to the mall, under the best case scenario, there's some people who always assume the best case scenario. But it turns out if you hit one or two traffic lights wrong, or maybe there's construction, or maybe there's uh, like extra traffic on the road for some reason or another, it might take you like 15, 20 minutes to get there but you've estimated 10 minutes. Some people just always assume the best case scenario, which is almost never the case. So they always show up a little bit late 
because they've just underestimated how long it's going to take them to just drive a few minutes down the road. The one area that I, I, I've been trying to get better, but there's uh, many variables. I do most of the cooking here in the household. And a lot of times I will, um, yeah, I'll underestimate how long it takes to cook something. And there's always some different reason. So there's a lot of variables and that's why I tend to screw it up. But, um, I'll tell my wife, Hey, you know, dinner's going to be ready in whatever, 30 minutes and it's 45. And she's kind of learned that it, I may be pretty far off with my uh, dinner, dinner time estimate. And, you know, some of my excuses are like the uh, propane ran out on the grill or the charcoal wasn't as hot as I thought it was going to be, or I ran out of room on the whatever, or the, whatever, the chicken I just bought was still frozen in the middle and I didn't know it. I got a million excuses, you know, but but basically, we underestimate time and effort across the board all the time. So I, I encourage you to think about yourself if you do the same kind of thing. Okay, next one, which is a little bit different, is people that aren't successful don't take time to learn. And I, I think at least the world the, and the audience, right, like you listen to this show you potentially read other blogs. You probably listen to several other podcasts, maybe even watch YouTube. So a lot of us do are taking the time to learn and we're educating in different areas. But sometimes people just don't try to learn some of the most basic things. And I actually do see that more perhaps on the YouTube, on the YouTube side. YouTube is such a is such a like I want to say entertainment forward, but there's many distractions. So people will sometimes hop on to a live stream and they ask questions that they can easily Google and get a very direct, specific answer. And I do appreciate that they hop on a live stream and I'm glad that they're trying to get my opinion. But if it's something so straightforward, like why even ask? Like I'm not going to be able to add anything to it. It's just like, it's, it's an answer. Like there's no point in me trying to explain and they're, they're literally not taking the time to learn, do any research. They're just kind of lazy. The other related thing is maybe they ask a, a fairly basic question that they literally can watch a tutorial, but they're like, Hey, can you show me how to whatever, change the background on my, my WordPress install in this specific theme? Like, I don't know how to do this specific theme, but they're asking about a specific tutorial demo that they want me to do just for them when they could Google it and just look it up on YouTube or whatever and have a blog post that has all the screenshots or watch a video where someone does exactly the right thing. The related one, but different, is people take too much time to learn and too much time to research and they don't take action. And the learning and research is important up to a point and then you have to start taking action. So that's the the problem here. People just get stuck in analysis paralysis and they don't actually do anything. One of the tricky ones, very specific in this niche 
authority site world is number one, choosing a niche and people will just go back and forth and they'll have like, you know, four or five really good choices that they've been really thinking about. And they just have to, I mean, you have to pick one and move forward. They're probably all going to be mostly fine. You just have to start taking action. The other one related to that is if you choose the niche and then you're like, well, I need to find more keywords. And then you're trying to find like a thousand keywords, like more than you possibly need, more than you possibly could execute on and do anything with. Even if you had a team of writers, you wouldn't need that many keywords. It could be, you know, good to know that they're out there. But once you get, you know, I would say a few dozen keywords max, I mean, you could really start with way fewer than that. I mean, you could start with 30, 50 keywords, something like that. But you certainly don't need hundreds before you get started. And you definitely don't need over a thousand. And I have bumped into some people and they're like, yeah, I just want to find some more keywords. And they just keep looking and looking. They're kind of taking action. That's why it's so tricky. They're kind of taking action. They're kind of doing some research. So it feels productive, but they're really procrastinating. So you don't want to take too much time to learn and research. Eventually you have to take some action. The next one here, I think is one of the most important. There's a few of them that are, that I I deem a little bit higher than others. Um, Some of them you can recover from a little bit more easily and others, like if you just don't do them. So this is one of those people that aren't successful are often not flexible and they do not adapt when things don't turn out as expected. And that is, that is huge. Along the way I have pivoted, I've changed my sort of keyword research method. That's how I came up with aiming for the lower competition keywords, which isn't novel, right? A lot of people talk about low competition keywords, but the keyword golden ratio was like a very deliberate attempt at pivoting when I was, you know, I was trying to do, I was trying to do what used to work for me. And then I needed to change it up a little bit after a couple failed attempts. So if you're flexible and you adapt, then you could kind of go where the market is telling you or what, you know, just overall, and we could genericize a lot of this stuff. I'll try to give examples of niche site um, ideas and context, but the thing is you could apply it like anywhere else. So when you're trying something and, you know, you did your research and you're finally taking the action, you're going to get feedback. You're going to get some results and maybe in the form of like real metrics and analytics where you're like, this stuff is working, this stuff is not working. And maybe a little bit more uh, like qualitative where you could tell things feel good when you, and you have energy when you're working on them versus things that really pull you down and you're like, I don't want to work on this and kill your motivation. So if you can adapt when you're getting this information from the world, whether it's analytics or the qualitative stuff, you're going to be way better off. A lot of times, almost 
almost 100% of the time, things are going to turn out different than you expected. It's great to have a plan. You should have a plan. You should also expect that the plan is going to turn out differently than you expected. The actual results are going to be pretty far off. In my project management world, when I would, I mean, all the projects were like this. Basically, you estimate um, the timeline and the budget. Those are a couple big pieces. The timeline, often you end up with a, you know, a constraint. It Something needs to deliver by X date. So typically, you can't do too much with that. Budget-wise, you often come up with a dollar amount, and then you expect it to be anywhere from half to like 150% of whatever you estimated. We just don't know the things that we're going to run into. We know we're going to run into some problems. We don't know what they are. We don't know when they're going to hit. We don't know how much it's going to cost, but there's a good chance whatever you're estimating is way off. It's way, way off. So at that point, it's... um, It's just something you have to monitor along the way. And as time goes on, as you get more information, you can fix your plan, whether it's the timeline, whether it's the budget or something else. But as you get more data, you can refine. That's the right word. You can refine your estimates overall. So very important to be flexible, very important to pivot when you need to and understand that it's going to turn out different than you thought. And sometimes you just need to roll with it and go, um, you know, go with the flow. Next one is people that aren't successful. They often are focusing on the short term versus the long term. This is something that I've harped on for a few months at least. And you know, it comes into play a couple different areas, you know, going back to like choosing a niche. Sometimes people really get hung up on the competition, right? They're like, I want to find something really low competition and high profit, which just sounds like a joke, but they want to find something low competition. And basically, if you have a if you have a long enough timeline, you probably should be able to compete. And a lot of times people are focusing on the, the competition because they want to get you know really quick results. I can appreciate the motivation that you'll get if you see results early. It'll help you build momentum. So I, I do understand why it's important, especially if it's your first go around and you haven't, you haven't been successful with your first website or anything like that. But people, they just, they want, they want to make money and they want to get results so quick that they're ignoring some of the obvious things like making kind of bad decisions, kind of silly decisions based on just short-term goals, short-term ideas versus if you're thinking, I want to build a website, I want to be interested in the topic so that I don't get bored, I want to make sure that I will be interested over, you know, the long term. And if you're thinking long term, then the competition doesn't matter quite as much. If a lot of your competition is thinking, ah, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try, especially the early competition, they're like, I wanna 
earn money as quickly as possible. I'm focusing on six months to one year and you're thinking about three to five years, you'll be able to take your time a little bit. It won't feel as urgent. It won't be as stressful. You maybe can take uh, more time on each piece of content. You don't have to get into a rush and the competition level probably doesn't matter as much if, if you're thinking, okay, I can actually become part of the community, part of the industry in three to five years. I can network. I can be on podcasts or YouTube channels. Like you actually can compete pretty well in that amount of time. You can accomplish so much in three to five years versus, you know, three to five months or a year. So that is a huge one. That is a very big one. All right, moving on. And this next one is from, this one's from Jasper. And I think it is still valid, but I'm going to put another spin on it. So people that aren't successful don't have a clear goal. Now, I think some people actually do, or at least they have the first piece of it, which I'll just make one up. A lot of people, they want to make $10,000 per month online, relatively passively. So some of those other details don't matter as much, but 10K per month, that's kind of a a threshold that people are like, I can be pretty comfortable most places in the world, even after taxes and some other stuff, like you have enough to live on and you can support a family and stuff like that in most places in the world. Some places that's a huge amount of money. So once you have that goal, it is good to have like some like specific thing in mind. The, the piece that I think is really important is to take that goal and then change it into a system. And this is, uh, I, I reference Scott Adams often in his book, how to fail at nearly everything and still win big and something like that. He talks about how systems are better than goals. And basically, if you're aiming towards that 10K per month idea, you're marching towards it, you're really excited, and most of the time you're you're failing. You're like, I am not there yet. And then once you reach it, you're like, this is great. And then you are looking for your next goal. And it's... um it's pretty tough. A lot of times you will fail to reach that goal, even though you may get really close. So you get to like 9,500 per month or so. You're like, I still failed that goal. It doesn't feel good, especially when you're consistently failing every single day until you reach your eventual goal. So systems are better. And what you should do is have your goal and then back it down. So if you want to make 10, I'm going to make up a quick example. If you want to make 10K per month, you may be thinking, I need to have a website and I need to, I need to have X amount of content. And we could just make up some example and say, I think I need to have a hundred pieces of content. And I think half of it needs to be monetized with affiliate revenue and the other half with display ads. And then you end up with some picture of uh, what you want at the end. So you have your goal, and then you're like, okay, I need 50 pieces of content, some informational, some 
affiliate reviews. And then from there, you may apply a timeline on it. I'm making it slightly more complicated, but basically you're like, I need to publish a hundred things and how can I do that? So you maybe think I want to do this as quickly as possible. I sure would like to publish those hundred articles in a hundred days just to make it easy here. And you're thinking, okay, I can hire a company that can write that content for me and I can make sure that they could do a hundred posts in a hundred days. And then that's the system. So if you are operating on systems versus goals, you can see that you're making progress and just simply be consistent. Do what you say you're going to do. And that is kind of a secondary or separate point is people that aren't successful usually are not consistent. They may have like bursts of work and they're like, they do a ton and then they kind of stop. The people that are successful tend to make a little bit of progress, you know, each day or each week or something like that. And that's what I think is really important. So it's tying together with the systems where it's kind of like my, I guess it's kind of like how I work out. So some workouts are not that great. I I don't feel like they're awesome and maybe they're shorter. And then other days they're much better, but I am very consistent. I usually work out or go to the gym, you know, five to six days a week or so. And they're definitely, um, I would say a third of the workouts are just kind of okay. Um, maybe 10% of them are kind of crappy and I'm just like going through the motions, but I get my heart rate up and that system works well for me. I don't have any specific goals like lose X amount of weight or put on this much muscle, or I have, um, even talked a little bit about the body fat percentage, but I don't take it too seriously. Um, it's just the, one of the metrics that I actually look at. Um, but I ha- I don't set a goal to reach a specific um, fat percentage or anything like that. So systems are better than goals. And I think I put about three things together there, but I, you get the idea. Okay. The next one here is they don't focus effectively. And I... Addition, in addition to me being self-motivated and relatively driven, I also can focus really well. Again, I've been like that since I was a, a kid. I, I can just put my head down and do work. I will, uh, side note, I've largely moved away from caffeine. So some of the early episodes of this podcast, I would say, ah, I drink so much coffee. And I did for a long time. And I started tapering back this year in like 2022. I started doing like a half caffeinated and half decaf. And then I've tapered it down and we're largely drinking 100% decaf. There's still trace amounts of caffeine and decaf. The whole point of uh, me mentioning that is when you drink caffeine, you can focus really well. I mean, that is one of the the powers of caffeine. If you have like a task list, it's really good to have caffeine. If, If you're doing like linear thinking and linear work, caffeine can really help and it can help focus also. I don't find them quite as creative or anything like that. 
on caffeine, but um, I've tapered way back. I'll still, I mean, I haven't sworn it off or anything. So I know like vacation weeks or something like that, I, I will probably have caffeine or I'm going to be going to a conference before too long here. So almost certainly I'm going to grab, you know, coffees out there. Just, you know, I, I enjoy it. I do like caffeine, but anyway, I could focus really well. A lot of people that are not successful, they're pretty scattered and sometimes they actually can be a little bit successful, but they dabble within too many different areas. So they end up with several projects that are like in partial, um, partial completion, a lot of stuff that's 80% done or even like 90% done, but they're just not really putting their full effort and focus to make that thing work, whatever it is. And one thing that I've heard people say almost like is a badge of honor, but I call bullshit on that is like the entrepreneurship ADD where it's like an excuse for them to dabble in a bunch of different stuff instead of like getting their shit together and working on the thing that they, they say they want to do, you know, they say they want to work on X project, but then they like dabble around and they get distracted with all this other shit and they're wasting their time. And, you know, side note on that. I mean, most of the time, not always, but I think most of the time people would be successful if they did the thing that they say that they're going to do. So if they, if they do have a goal and they're like, ah, you know, I wanted to have a hundred posts published on my blog by X date. If they just did that, they probably would be successful, but there's always some thing that's getting in the way. So anyway, if you can focus, you probably have a big leg up on your peers. I think, I think it is um, certainly a skill and I don't want to go on a huge tangent, but I have, I've uh, listened to, I think it was an episode of Huberman Lab and he talked about people that read, especially like books specifically, I guess it could be on Kindle, but people that read have the ability to focus because when you're reading, like you have to look at the words on the page. You typically can't multitask. You can't like read an, a novel while you're watching a movie. Like you, you just can't focus on those two things. So a lot of times people that read a lot have the ability to focus. And I was like, oh, I actually I can focus better now that I read a lot more than I used to. And that's just sort of a development in uh, probably the last decade I've been reading a lot. So, okay. Next, I think maybe we, we mentioned this a little bit before, but I, I have it listed here twice. So I will mention it just to emphasize people that aren't successful tend to not take action. They get stuck in analysis paralysis. One of the, you know, points that Andy made and one of the questions was, are, are more people successful or not successful? I think most people are not successful. There's a lot of people that don't quite get started. They just don't move forward far enough to like, they don't even give themselves the opportunity. It's just, they, they think they want to work on a thing and they just never actually do it. We are coming up towards the end here. 
So one quick one, um, people don't ask for help. So once you do, you know, you know, your research and you've learned enough to start taking action, there's a good chance if you're inexperienced, you're going to run into something that you just don't understand, situations that you don't know about. And there are people out there that you can ask for help. There's tons of communities, um, f- Facebook groups, there's some forums like the Facts, Fat Stacks Forum out there. Um, I don't have any community. I'm not, I'm not very interested in managing that or doing anything like that, but they're out there. So you can ask for help uh, in groups like that, your peers out there that are just more experienced. You can also go, I mean, I don't do much coaching, but you can go to experts and ask, ask them to help you. Of course, you have to pay money for that sort of thing. But if someone solved the problem several times, it's really nice to just have the answer right there instead of having to figure it out the hard way on your own. Next, this might be a little bit related to sort of the patient's stuff, but people lose motivation when it gets tough. And usually anything sort of worthwhile, it's going to get hard. It's going to, it's going to test you a little bit. And if you lose your motivation, as soon as it gets a little bit tough, then you're probably not going to be doing super interesting things. So that is one of the reasons why I almost always recommend these days, like people, if you're starting your first site, it's really helpful to pick something that you're interested in. When you lose your motivation, at least you have the the interest in the topic area, the curiosity that'll keep you moving or at least a little bit more engaged when it does get difficult. Once you have a few sites under your belt, I've seen a couple things happen. Some people will enjoy the process so much, they don't even they don't care about the topic area. They just like the process and all the pieces around it, so they literally can work on just a specific business model and they're happy with that. Those are rare individuals though. I only know a couple of folks that make that work. The other, um, yeah, so I'll, I'll leave it at that. So you lose motivation and you just, you got to have that inherent interest to keep you going. Okay, last one. And then I'll hit the mail, uh, the emails that people sent in. So this one is one that I came up with. People that aren't successful, they often blame external factors. They don't take ownership and kind of responsibility for what they're working on. So a lot of times this comes in the form of like blaming Google or blaming their competition and competitors. But what it comes down to is excuses. And again, just not owning the work that you're doing. And this is one of the ones that it's a little bit harsh, you know, I think there are certainly external factors that could be valid that you have no control over. You really can't do much about. And part of, you know, these, this content website, niche website business model is there are There are areas that you do not control. It is part of the constraints of the business model. 
and some people shit on the this business model because of that. But I'm pretty sure all other business models have their own constraints, their own BS that you have to deal with. So around the same time that I was getting started in 2013, 2014, Amazon FBA, this fulfilled by Amazon, was getting really popular as well. A lot of people moved to that business model, had success. And in that business model, there's things that you can't control as well. So Amazon takes a certain percentage. There are supply chain and shipping things that you have to deal with as well. A lot of this applies to even, you know, any kind of drop shipping. There was, um, what was his name? John that I interviewed. He had an e-commerce drop shipping website and he was running ads and he was profitable. And then Google banned him from running those ads. I'm not hundred percent sure why he had to do something and he, you know, he owned the situation and he was like, ah, I'm going to try to get traffic from SEO instead of running ads. And he, he made it work out. And overall, the idea here is you, you can blame a bunch of other people. You could blame, uh, you know, Google corporations, you could blame, um, you know, Amazon for changing the affiliate rates. But at the end of the day, you can, you know, take your ball and go home or you could do something about it and try to figure out an alternative solution. Now, maybe you want to shift business models, perfectly valid as well, but you're owning it and you're like, hey, this didn't work for me this time. I'm, I want to shift to something else. But you're not, you're not like, hey, I quit all of this. Like the, the world's just against me. And I think there are a set of people that they're just like, ah, you know what? Other people can do it, but I can't do it. And I just don't get that. It's a valid feeling. So if you, if you do have those ideas, I'm not judging you specifically, but the thing that really helped me, the reason why I interview a wide range of people, hopefully from like wide uh, different backgrounds and different success levels where, you know, they're just earning a hundred bucks a month or 200. And then people that are earning like $30,000 per month. I want to have a wide range there and I want to have a lot of different people. The reason why is when I was coming up, I was reading all these success stories over on niche pursuits. I found them so motivating because most of those people weren't making huge, crazy amounts of money at least when I was doing a lot of reading in the 2013 timeframe, I'm not sure if those, if all those old posts are still out there, but it would be, you know, a plumber that was earning 400 bucks a month on a new site that he, he just created. And I remember I read uh, John over at uh, website income. He's a project manager too. So he was making like 500 or a thousand per month from a specific website and I was like, oh, I'm a project manager too. Like if he could do it and the plumber can do it and the, the stay-at-home mom can do it, then, I mean, I probably have some of the same skills or I could figure out how to do some of the same stuff. So there's no need to blame. Like it's it's internal, right? Like either I can do it or I can learn how to do it. But if they could do it and you know, hundreds, thousands of other people can do it, then... Um, it's certainly possible. So anyway, 
I think once you just, you're like, I can work on this stuff. I may have to adapt. I know I'm going to have to put a lot of time and effort into it. Things can go wrong. There are pieces of this equation that we don't control. We don't control the traffic from Google. We don't control the um, commission rate from Amazon or any of the other companies that we're working with. We don't control the display ad um, revenue specifically like companies are advertising or they're not. There's a supply and demand situation there. So you really don't control that. And there's not, there's really not too much you can do with it. So once you, you realize that you just have to let go of control and then move forward, make decisions and, you know, don't make excuses. I think, I think you're in a better spot. So if you have others to add, shoot me an email, feedback at doug.show. And I'm going to hop over to some of the emails that people sent in. And by the way, Andy did, he actually replied back and he was like, dude, you should have a voicemail number so people could just send in their, their thoughts. I have a voicemail number. It's in every one of the shows. Um, so all you have to do is call it and then you could leave a voicemail. So first one I'm going to read here is from Corey. And Corey, I think, is a little more experienced. So Corey says that he likes a couple different business models or different different approaches. So one is buying a business over starting one from scratch. He says, and I'll, I'll quote this here, you've already got a proven model and cash flow coming in. It's much easier to focus on something that is making money. You always hear a uh, the Gary V types of influencers saying you need to focus. Well, it's really hard to focus on four businesses that make no money and real easy to focus on one when it is making money. That said, I would never buy a content website, although I did buy one and flip it a few years back. They're just too risky, relying on Google traffic. And quite frankly, I believe um, I believe good Google wants to eliminate the sites that are basically leeching on their search engines. So um, one thing, clearly, Corey doesn't do too much in the niche website business model, but I think more on the e-commerce side, perhaps. So the second point that Corey makes is paid ads. So again, it doesn't really apply for niche websites in in our typical business model, but for e-commerce, it would uh, make total sense. So Corey says this, with paid ads, you could set up a new business, pump a few grand into ads, and then you know if the market has a demand. If it works, you can go from zero to 100 real fucking quick. If it doesn't cut your losses, oh yeah, if it doesn't cut your losses, save your time and move on to the next idea. I would not start a business that cannot be sustainable without paid customer acquisition. And basically, he also he sent over a video where he he said it doesn't always work out. So he said that he got burned for $41,000 when someone using a spam bot attacked one of his YouTube ad funnels and he sent the link so I'll put the link in the show notes here so you could check it out. And that that is the danger with paid ads. Depending on the business model, you often have to float the 
to add payments before you get paid. Sometimes, depending on the business model, you may have like 30 or 60 days before you get paid. So you are, you know, you are floating it. So basically, if you don't understand exactly what happened, um, Corey was paying for ads and someone had a spam bot and basically was signing up. So it looked like whatever his funnel was, like whatever the funnel was, was profitable. And he was paying for ads and had to pay $41,000. And it was like not even real customers. It was just a bot pretending. So that sucks. And hopefully Corey, um, Corey recovered, but you know, that, that's the thing. You have to have uh, good operating revenue and the ability to uh, float the money for a little while. Okay. As we are wrapping it up, here's the last email from Kay. Kay says, I think it really depends on what someone's interpretation of success is. And Kay says that she's done a variety of things online. She's been a digital artist for websites and she managed um, to succeed in that area because she got commissions and she's drawn a ton of art that never sold because she can't market her stuff very well. Or that's her words. And she, in making a ton of copies and never knowing if they would sell has stopped her. So she says, I might be a failure in exposing my art to the public, but I'm still a successful artist. She further says, I have created um, websites for reviews on books, um, a critiquer for writers, and written her, her own short stories. And let's see here. Further, she says, I even wrote 48,000 words in a single day to expand my book that I never completed. I'm a failure in the sense that I can't, I can't get past being OCD when it comes to writing a book. Everything has to be perfect in my eyes. But she says, I'm a successful writer. As we're, we're going on here, I get that a lot of your listeners see success as making enough money to quit their day jobs, but I've got a website that's been up around been up since around 2017 and it has over 500 posts. She says, it barely makes a few bucks a month. I still think of it as a success because it's something that I've built for myself that I work on because I love doing it, not because I'm infatuated with seeing the numbers roll in. And I'm telling you, um, and you're telling me there are people out there that are too afraid to try and jump into a niche because they the thought of failure. I don't think that's being overly cautious or failure fearful. I think that is just not wanting to do another job especially if there's enough research to start a website on a topic or even if there's other websites touching base on them. Don't get me wrong. I get it. They went out of their nine to five. They want a stable income from home, but you have to at least crawl before you can walk. And she does. She says, uh, sorry, I went into a rant mode there. And finally, she says, success is in the eye of the beholder. Many people might say my site's a failure, but again, I do what I love in a niche that's far from being laser focused. So I think that is uh, certainly important. You know, you have to define what success is for you. And 
I think the the perspective that Andy was asking this, it's like, oh, I haven't reached, I haven't had a successful site yet. I'm a little scared to try. I'm afraid of putting in all this effort and then it's not going to work out how I thought. And in Kay's example, she's like, ah, you know what? I'm, I'm doing what I like to do. That's successful. I mean, that is the kind of the magic of some of the, the sort of quote, passion niches or things that, you know, people are starting blogs and they didn't even know they can earn money. And then they accidentally realize that they can earn money. They learn some, some SEO chops. They learn some other things about getting traffic and marketing, and then they're able to turn it into something much bigger. And they had no idea that they could potentially earn money. Now, that is certainly the minority. Most people that I feature on on the show here, they started a site to earn money. It was for a side hustle. They they want to earn money. That is the goal. There are a lot of other people that, you know, they just, they want to write some, they want to start a blog. It's something that they care about and they're just doing that. And then they accidentally, and I mean, that is, it's probably frustrating to hear if you're like waiting to get started, but like, those people didn't give a shit um, whether it was going to be successful. They were going to do it anyway. Again, that is why I do emphasize people picking something that they're uh, that they're interested in. So I hope that was helpful out there for the the people that aren't successful online. I think there's a, a number of you know, little pieces, little areas, you don't have to get all of those right. You know, I listed whatever, 10 or 12 of them or something. If you can get most of them right, most of the time on most days, you're probably going to be fine. You don't have to get everything right or perfect or anything like that. So, all right, my voice is about to give out here. Let me just pause quickly. All right. I need two things from you. If you have any thoughts on this episode, feedback at Doug.show, let me know what you thought, or you can uh, send a voicemail. There's a number in the show notes here, so you just call on your normal phone, leave me a message, and then I can play it. I think there's like a three-minute limit, could be two, three minutes, something like that. So if you have any thoughts, let me know. The other thing should have asked at the beginning of the show. Maybe I'll do it next time. If you found this episode good or you like some other episodes, tell a friend. Help spread the word. I don't ask too often. I don't ask for reviews too often. But yeah, if you could tell someone that you think would enjoy the show or if you're in a Facebook group or something like that or maybe I interviewed somebody really cool that you think is an awesome story. Like I talked to Jamie not too long ago. He is the 25-year-old that made 32K in a month. That's episode 376. Like if you want to forward that to someone or pass it along, that would be fantastic. Or Tony Maritato, who is making over six figures per year in a your money or your life niche, That was episode 371. That was a very good one. So if you know a professional who has maybe certifications because they're a physical therapist, just like Tony, maybe they would be interested in hearing about how they could monetize their their profession and like sort of do it on their own terms and 
potentially leave their nine to five if they don't want to do it anymore. So yeah, spread the word about the show. Would really appreciate it. And I think that's it for today. So have a great day out there and we'll catch you on the next episode.